Hey, good morning. And we're going to be in the book of Philippians, so you can start making your way to Philippians. Man, our church is full of so many great opportunities. Like, I mean, even stuff we're on the cusp of announcing. It's just it's like we can't keep up with all the activity, just even the graphics and the stuff on Church Center. So just put your seat belts on. I mean, some great things are right are, are happening, and you heard about some of them, and you'll hear more about them. Hey, here's one that I don't have. I haven't released, I'm not ready to release all the details, but I want to release the date. Guys, we're going to go to Israel next year, huh? How about that? And uh, this is going to be a great trip that Beth and I are going to take uh, a group of people here. And Dr. Charles Galden, he was an interim pastor here years ago. He's an Old Testament professor at Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida. He and Dr. Joe Davis are going to... Uh, host us, take us. Uh, these guys have been to Israel dozens and dozens of times. They know all of the tricks. They know all of the back doors. Uh, so July 24th, we'll do a Zoom meeting about this. So July 24th, we'll do a Zoom meeting. So you'll be hearing more details about that, but I thought, hey, what, what a cool thing. Um, already there had been some whispers around the congregation, so I thought, hey, let's just get it out there, right? Let's get it out there. The title of my teaching today is this, My Prayer for You. My Prayer for You, and it comes from uh, where we're at in Philippians chapter 1. We're going to read today through the ESV version, the English Standard Version, which I don't use often. Uh, Bible versions are interesting, and and I love talking about Bible versions, and I won't bore you with that today. It's, it's not boring, but it, it, we don't want to take too much time with that. But you use different versions of the Bible for different reasons because they have different emphases. Uh, and, and CSB, which we usually do, is very readable, uh, very understandable. Um, the ESV is very similar to the King James. Um, it's, there's very few changes from the King James to the ESV. And so there are disadvantages of the King James and disadvantages of the ESV. But one of the things that are beautiful about the ESV is, and the King James and the New King James is these words we hold on to. Um, poetic words are memorable words, are words that are attached to Christian tradition. So as we kind of slowed down through this passage, and I just thought, well, ESV is where we're at this morning. So thanks for uh, that little mid-course adjustment in this teaching series. Now, after we read the scripture, I'll present this as a word of the Lord, and you're free to say with me, thanks be to God. We are thankful for his word. So starting with verse 6, <clears throat> and it is my prayer, this is the premise of the teaching today, that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. So that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And this is the word of the Lord. So we see this first scripture talks about love. And it's interesting that when we start talking about love... So many personality tests classify some people as more loving than others. 
And so it's easy sometimes to say, well, I'm just not a loving person like, like my aunt, or I'm not a loving person like a sibling, or whatever the case is. And I, I guess the understanding of the personality is a good thing when it pushes us to let Christ transform us, not when it's an excuse, right? We don't want that to be an excuse. That's my personality, and so I'm just, the test says I'm okay to be a jerk, so I'm going to be a jerk. No, that's not the Lord's will. Without talking too much about myself, um, I, I have a personality been to not be lovey-dovey. That's just, that's just the truth. I've been able, with the Lord's help, to train myself in godliness. And I can say today, I've been walking with the Lord a long time, that I think a lot of people think I am a loving person, and I think I am because of Christ. I think I am because of what Christ did in me. And, and I haven't let that be an excuse and say, well, that's just not me. Now, I've had to give up a lot of good jokes when I decided to be a loving person. <laughs> because I'm, I have a pretty quick wit. And, and, and truthfully, I decided a long time ago, a couple of decades ago at least, maybe longer than that, that, you know, I'm going to be less funny and be more loving. Because sarcasm often hurts people's feelings. And I just didn't like hurting people's feelings. And so I've had to crucify that part of me. And I remember, I think I've mentioned this not too long ago, when Luke was a little kid, he said, Dad, you'd be so funny if you weren't scared of Mom, and what she would say. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's true, because uh, his mom, my wife, is a godly woman, and she, she, she loves people, you know? And so and it's taught me to love people more also. So this first part of the scripture calls us, here's my first point of teaching today, increase in love. And I'm calling you, wherever you are, to increase in love. Every single one of you can become a more loving person from this moment forward. It's not, it's not a personality issue. It's a choice. It's an alignment with the heart and nature of God. Look at verse 9 again. It's my prayer that your love may abound. We're going to talk about that word here in a moment. Abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. So to abound means to increase past a fixed measure. So this idea of, well, this is, this is how much I have to love. Here's the, the finish line. Here's the limit. Abounding means you're going to go way past the limit. And guys, God's called us to love way more than we're loving right now. This is the call of God on our lives, to abound in love. And we know a lot of us are in love deficiencies, and we're like, we, we've overcomplicated this thing, and, and we, we've talked a lot about, in, in psychology, about love buckets and, and the not having enough love in our lives, and we've taken on that identity to, to say, well, I, I don't have love, enough love, I've not received enough love as a to give. The scripture is saying differently. It's saying, whatever limit you see in love, the Lord says, abound. I want you to abound more and more. I want you to pass the limits. I want you to pass the restrictions of love. I want you to move, move past um, the limits you've set on yourself. And so I believe that love is not as complicated as we think. It's a matter of, of a series of choices. So one of my early choices um, and I, I, I gave my life to Christ, you know, as a, as a very young child. 
very significant experience. I had the conviction of the Holy Spirit on me. I mean, it was Holy Spirit conviction on me, and I gave my life to Christ. But as you're developing into adulthood, you have all kinds of choices. And early, my early teenage years, you know, I was kind of a jerk sometimes. I was kind of a show-off, you know, big mouth, class clown, that kind of thing. And one of, one of my, um, he wasn't my youth pastor, but he's a guy who discipled me, and he's preached here before, Brent Batson. He, he was just on fire for the Lord. Uh, and, and he had a team, like his God squad, that would go around and confront people whether or not they were saved. And we were at a camp in Oklahoma, and I was, I was just minding my own business in the bottom of a bunk bed in the corner of the room, and Brent and his God squad both literally and figuratively cornered me and started asking me questions. How do you know you're a Christian? How do you know you're going to go to heaven? What would happen tonight if you would die and, and you would stand before Jesus? And they were, I, was, I was really defensive. I was very defensive. I didn't like being questioned like this. And, and, I, and I, could feel, I, could feel, I could feel my will in a crossroads at that moment. And not to say that that, was my, that would have been my only moment because the grace of God comes over and over and over again, right? But that was a key moment in my life where my will was at a cross, crossroads. And, and it was like, am I going to really live this out as a teenager and live out God's love and be one of those guys who, who hugs people at church and lifts my hand in worship and, and is actually kind to people? Or am I just going to be that jerk on the, the back row? Those of you on the back row at CIL, you're not jerks. You guys are great people. In fact, my family and Aubrey's family usually sits on the back row. But bless God, my family's not on the back row today. My brother-in-law and sister over here, thank you. I've been praying for that. Thank God. Like if Aubrey and I can't get, you know, our family off the back row, I mean, there's no hope to move people forward. But anyway, back, back to... There I go, sarcasm. It, it sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. So was I going to be one of those back row teenagers who just was distant from the Lord? And, 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 and I just, by God's grace, my will chose to love the Lord at that moment. And, and, and it, it affected my life from that point forward. It was a huge decision. It, wasn't, it would not have been my last opportunity, but it was my opportunity that day. And, and I think about our lives, that there's just some times when the Holy Spirit is convicting us. And out of his grace and pleasure and choice, we can go one way or the other and choose to love the Lord. Choose to love the Lord. Just, just cross on over into the love of the Lord. Let his love abound more and more. That's my prayer for you, that your love for the Lord would abound. It would pass through the limits. It would pass through the restrictions. It would be something greater than you can imagine. You could see what God can do in a person who loves him with all his heart. What God can do through a lady who loves him with all of her heart. I pray with the Apostle Paul that your love may abound more and more. Kushner, an author, said this, the purpose of life is not to win. We need to hear that as those who live in the suburbs. 
The purpose of life is to grow and to share. And when you come to look back on all that you've done in life, you will get more satisfaction from the pleasure you've brought to other, other people's lives than you will from the times you outdid and you defeated them. Man, it's about adding value to people. It's about giving to people. It's about loving people. And, and so we have those big moments. Like that was a big moment in my life. And I won't take time. There, there's a dozen other big moments in my life. But every day I think we have three or four choices to love. And, and it really sets the tone of our day. And it sets the tone of our day. Are, are we going to choose the right attitude, the right perspective? Are we going to let God's love abound and, and pass the limits? Or, or do we choose the enemy's bait and, and, and go to that same critical negativity, all of the divisions that the enemy wants us to have? And, or do we choose love? When you choose love, it's not always the safest route. Love comes with risk. Love comes with disappointment. Love will cost you. It's not free. Yet at the end of your life, love is what remains. Dan Allender said it, but we've all said it in our hearts. It is pointless and worthless to live and not love. Think about it, people. It is pointless and worthless to live and not love. Man, because I chose to love God, I do have an overflow of love, an overflow of love to my wife, to my kids, to my mom, to my brother, to my sister. I have an overflow of love to my church family. I have an overflow of love to my friends, my neighbors, and I even have an overflow of love to strangers. You guys, it's not because I'm a neat guy at all. It's because Christ in me. It's, it's the cultivation of, of his life in me, and it's not every day. It's not every day. I mean, some of you have known me a long time, and I've ticked you off, and I haven't been very loving to you at times. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. Hey, we're, but we have big moments. Discern those big moments. When, when, when your will, your volition is at a crossroads, choose love. And then every day, make three, four choices. It says, man, I'm going to love more. Once we learn to love, it leads us to number two. We discern his best. Let's go back to verse 9. Verse 9 says, And it is my prayer that your love, your love bound more and more. And so you're this loving person, no limits to your love, with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of our Lord. Let's talk about discernment. Discernment is that, that you found that verse in the end of verse 9, that word, excuse me, It's to test, examine, scrutinize, prove, to find out if something is genuine or not. And this word is associated with a jeweler who would examine a diamond or another type of jewel and say, under a magnifying glass, is this authentic? Is this genuine? Or is it a fake? When we make decisions with the Lord... His love is like that magnifying glass. We can see through our knowledge of Scripture and understanding of the knowledge of Scripture, discern God's will. Is this of God? Is this pure? Is this good? Is this of the Lord? I want to discern what's of the Lord. 
when we're walking in love, when we're abounding in love, and we're going past the limits of love, then we're in position to discern what is of the Lord and what is not. When we're walking in strife and we're walking in disunity and we're walking in all of the angst that comes from the work of the enemy in our life, we cannot discern the voice of the Lord. We cannot discern the things of the Lord. But as you walk in love, begin to see discernment increase in your life. Because you'll begin to say, that's not of my father. My dad wouldn't do that. that that's not part of our family. That's not who we are. I am discerning the will of God. I'm discerning the will of God through the love of God. I'm examining and finding out what is of the Lord and what is not of the Lord. Finally, the scripture shares with us that we will be filled. And my prayer for you, Paul's prayer for the church, to be filled with spiritual fruit. Filled with spiritual fruit. Now we go to verse 10. So that you may, you're abounding in love and you're discerning. And look what happens in verse 10. So that you may approve what is excellent. You're a good decision maker. Let me just stop there for a second. I, I, I know a lot of great people that are just great personalities. And I like them. And they're cool. And they're fun to be around. But you know what they lack? They lack a good decision making ability. They just keep making poor decisions over and over and over again. That's if you keep making poor and poor decisions over and over again. I, I call you to look at these New Testament teachings. To discern God's will. To walk in his love. To walk in his discernment. And when you walk in his discernment, then you can approve what is excellent. You're like, hey, this is good. This is characteristics, characteristic of the God who is within me. So back to verse 10, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Be, it would be interesting if I could get this answer to, from all of you. What is the goal of your life? What is the goal of your life? And that would be an interesting conversation to have, and I hope we can have it sometime. And, and I think practical, earthly goals under the lordship of Christ are good. But unfortunately, a lot of times, the goal that God has for us never gets into our head and never gets into our lives. I believe God's goal for us is for us to be pure and blameless at his coming, to become more and more like him. It's not an obligation, it's an invitation. It's not a have to, it's a get to. So we don't pursue holiness and perfection and to be blameless because we're trying to get to heaven. That's not why we do it, because Jesus has already established we're citizens of heaven, not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done for us. We're citizens of heaven because of the grace of God. We're citizens of heaven because this, on the Lord's Day, we celebrate the resurrection every Sunday. We are doing it today uh, because he did for us what we can't do for ourselves. So that's not why we want to be pure and blameless. We are moving towards being pure and blameless because that is God's goal for our life, for the transformation for as we walk with him more and more, we continue to say no to sin and say yes to him. 
the fruit of righteousness. Think about that. That righteous, righteous activity produces righteous living. And it's not something that, it's not something that uh, a list of rules that you follow. It's an overflow of who you are. The transformation of God. God's transforming us. He's changing us from the inside in. You will not be the same person a year from now if you walk closely with the Lord. That's a good thing. Maybe some of you are so prideful, you like yourself so much, you're like, well, I don't want to change. That's called pride. That's what caused Lucifer to lose, to lose out on his standing as an angel. So pride's not a good thing. Every one of us should want Jesus to work on us a little bit. It's a good thing when he gets involved. It's a good thing when, he, when the fruit of righteousness starts coming forth in our life. And we'll be, when we're in right standing with God, we'll be fruitful for the kingdom of God. Hey, I want to close by reading this whole passage again in the message, which is, the message is a, is a summary of scripture by, uh, by an author. He did look at some of the, some of the original text, but he was just using common language in the 1990s, basically. And so it, it, it kind of gives us a fresh perspective. I'm going to read our whole passage today, Philippians chapter 1, starting with verse 9 in the message. So this is my prayer, that your, your love will flourish, and that you will not only love much, but well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. Live a lover's life, circumspect and exemplary, a life Jesus will be proud of, bountiful in fruits from the soul, making Jesus Christ attractive to all, getting getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. That was Paul's prayer for the Philippians church, and it's a prayer for us today. And I'm thankful that I'm among a community who is living out this prayer. Praise God for that.